Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. going on guys thank you so very much for joining me right here on off the script this is your monday night raw post show for january 16th 2023 i'm your host jd from new york as always coming to you live from the ots venue thank you guys so very much for joining me on your monday evenings wherever you may be monday night raw man how'd we do tonight what did everybody think of Monday Night Raw tonight, man? I still find myself incredibly bored with most of this show. I still find the lack of excitement and the lack of anything that I should care about on this show. And it sucks, man. You know, WWE has fallen into the same trap, into the same formula where they feel like they don't really have to do much of anything for the Royal Rumble. Because at the end of the day, it's the Royal Rumble, and that really kicks off the road to WrestleMania. The only thing that we've really gotten any build to has been Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens, Bray Wyatt and LA Knight, and Alexa Bliss versus Bianca Belair. It's basically it. We haven't gotten build for anything else, really. Everything else is kind of inconsequential and very minor on this show. I hope that changes next week with Raw 30 or Raw Triple X as if they're filming a porno. Raw Triple X, banger bros. I mean, I don't know what they're doing here, man. It feels like uh, Bruce Prichard lately has a porn fetish. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever it may be next week, I feel like next week, and it's not me making excuses for Paul Levesque. It's not making excuses for the new administration. I, I do feel next week it's really going to kick off what I feel is WWE in this lull of mid-shows. Very middle-of-the-road, mediocre shows because they knew that they were up against a juggernaut in Monday Night Football, and I do believe that they went into tonight's show Still with that very lackluster feeling. That very careless feeling because of the playoff. I don't, I don't remember the last time. Maybe it happened last year, but I don't remember. This must be a recent thing where Monday Night Football now houses playoff games after the season is over. That must be something new that the NFL is doing on Monday Night Football. So we had the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tonight. And nobody's going to watch Monday Night Raw over a fucking football game of that magnitude where you got America's team in the Dallas Cowboys against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. WWE knows this. His administration knows this. I hope to God that there's no show next week because I do feel that with the, the dark cloud of Monday Night Football hanging over WWE, they don't really give a shit. They don't really give a shit. 
So I feel next week without Monday night football, because the playoff scenario will be set in the NFL after the wild card games are over this week. I do think that next week when the NFL playoffs are set, Monday Night Raw is going to attack fresh going into WrestleMania. That's just my honest feeling. And next week is going to be a major show. They, they have lined that show up to be a major, major show. And we'll talk about what's going to be on that show and what WWE may have teased tonight with the announcement of the entire lineage of the bloodline having a ceremony on Monday Night Raw next week. And if you're going to include the entire lineage, you guys know who that absolutely should include. And I'm not sure if they are going to get him for Monday night next week. It would make sense. And it would really kickstart everything that supposedly is going to happen with Roman Reigns going into WrestleMania. So we will see what happens next week. But that is a very interesting little tidbit as well. We're going to get into Monday Night Raw. We're going to get into Monday Night Raw. We're going to get into what happened on tonight's show. Break it down like we usually do. Thank you for joining me tonight. 2,000 plus in the OTS venue. Uh, More people still coming on in, filing on in. Sit down, relax. Get yourself a nice drink. If you're listening to me on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, or any audio platform, I appreciate you guys very much. I don't give you guys as much love as the YouTube family. But thank you guys so very much. If you guys are on iTunes, I would love if you can rate the podcast as well and leave me a nice rating and a nice comment. That goes a long way to get the podcast up the ranks as well. And I want to make a big splash this year in 2023. I want to start off with news because I know a lot of people are still making this to be a big deal. And I don't really trust anything that comes out of these said talent meetings Last Friday, we got one from Triple H and Kevin Dunn. This week, Monday night, we got one from Triple H and Kevin Dunn. Stephanie McMahon held one the week before that. And then the following week, she got up and quit the company. This is not a mini vacation. This is not a leave of absence. The last time she actually got up and left the company, she was still a part of the board of directors. She just got up and said, peace out, fuck off. I'm not coming back. I'm gone. She was taken off the board of directors. Finished. Tonight, Triple H held another talent meeting. But this time, the Monday Night Raw roster. uh, January 16th, on Monday night, right before Raw. This is coming from multiple sources. Fightful had the inside scoop here, and they learned that staff and talent were all involved in this meeting, which started around 3 p.m. Eastern time. The meeting was conducted by Triple H, Kevin Dunn, and Executive Vice President of Talent for WWE, Dan Vitrelli. Thus far, Fightful was told that many of the same points were hit from Friday when they did the same meeting with the SmackDown roster, including noting that Triple H is still the CCO, the Chief Content Officer, and firmly in control of creative and that talent relations are not changing. There was also debunking last week's Saudi Arabia sale story. Now, I want to make sure you guys are aware of what Triple H said in the meeting on Friday that basically was rinse and repeat this week on Monday night. Now, Triple H held this meeting to calm the talent's concerns because everybody is worry, worrisome, They are worried that Vince McMahon will 
seep back into creative and take over the entire operation as well. Triple H said that he's been assured that Vince McMahon's return is to see if the company is going to be sold only and help lead the charge and figure out who they might sell the company to if they sell the company. He made an attempt to squash the story about the sale being a done deal and said even if it happened, it would take a lot longer. Triple H did say in that same meeting that none of what is going on with Vince McMahon will change the creative process that he has in place or the team that helps put it together. Triple H did keep it open and say that anything could change because he knows at a drop of a dime, Vince could wake up tomorrow morning and say, fuck this, I'm going to blow shit up. But right now, Vince McMahon defers final creative to Triple H. Triple H also said that while he and Vince McMahon may have had discussions, and they have, he makes the final call. WWE was adamant in an official sense, too fightful that Triple H was still running creative. For now. Kevin Dunn was a part of last Friday's meeting. He was a part of this Monday's meeting as well. He said that he worked for Vince McMahon for 40 years. And since coming back, Vince hasn't said a single thing about making changes to him. Fightful heard that Vince had made suggestions regarding other departments, but that it wasn't implemented. That's going to change, and I, I already have a feeling that is changing as we speak. Dunn largely reiterated Triple H's points. It was said by many that this was a calm-down meeting. According to an update on Fightful, Vince McMahon is rumored to already being sending messages to different departments in WWE to inform them that they're not doing things correctly. It was also noted that there is a huge difference between Triple H and Vince McMahon's leadership styles. The roster morale and reception to Stephanie McMahon and Nick Khan as compared to Vince McMahon has been night and day. Even Triple H's guidance has led talent and staff telling Fightful that work is more fun for them and the rumors that Vince McMahon has already sent word to some departments that they are doing things wrong in his absence. It was not noted which departments those are that are receiving these messages since he is the chairman of the board once again and still maintains a lot of the power in the company. Mr. McMahon's word has a considerable amount of weight to it at the end of the day. This backstage meeting was largely the same on Monday night. The talent meetings are basically done to calm everybody, and there's a lot of talk about the company being sold at some point this year. The reason why there is concern is that morale has been up since Triple H took over, and they don't want that to take a hit with Vince McMahon wanting to be back in charge of all things WWE. You know, I said this last night on the podcast. If you guys did not watch episode 459, I really urge you to because there was a lot of shit in that podcast that you will not hear from one of these mainstream fucking middle of the road, I can't say anything bad podcasts in the community. These, these, these shills, these content creators in the community sicken me to no end. Nobody gives it to you like they should. There's only a handful, less than a handful of people that actually do me being one of them. These meetings are bullshit. They're all bullshit. Everybody wants to run with this as a story, and they want to run with Triple H is in, is in charge. 
Vince McMahon is not in charge. We don't know that. We don't know that. We were celebrating this man's demise last June, and now we're crying that he is filtering himself back slowly but surely in 2023. Do you honestly think that Vince McMahon is going to have a WrestleMania happen without his input? That's all you need to know. That's Vince McMahon's creation. Vince McMahon looks at WrestleMania greater than his own fucking son and daughter, than his own children. This is not going to go away and will get worse. Stephanie McMahon walking away was all you needed to know about shit is going to get worse. She told you by walking away what is going to happen without actually saying what was going to happen. This woman got up and fucking quit and left the board of directors. She's done. These meetings are bullshit. There's not one single fucking entity in this IWC shithole that is going to tell you uh, about what is really going on here. I still have a question of why Stephanie McMahon walked away. Nobody's going to tell you. Nobody wants to find that fucking juicy tidbit out, right? Then you got Kevin Dunn in this news leading a meeting with Triple H. Who the fuck is going to take anything Kevin Dunn says seriously? This man was so against basically everything that we wanted, everything that the roster wanted, and now you want me to read a fucking report about Kevin Dunn leading a meeting with Triple H, and you want me, you want to convince the reader, you want to convince me that because Kevin Dunn said something, that everything is going to be right the way it needs to be. No. I wouldn't trust that man if... He, he was saddled with the task of fucking scooping my cat's litter. Nobody should be, should be believing Kevin Dunn. Nobody. I, I don't understand why this is in the news. That makes the report look fucking ridiculous. It sounds to me that Triple H not once but twice, and yes, he probably had to address the two different rosters. He had to address SmackDown on Friday, had to address Raw on Monday. But the fact that you had two, two meetings... Two meetings within days of each other doesn't really look good for everybody listening in on these meetings. That you have to double down on everything. If it's not what we fear it is, it's not what we fear it is, and just say it is. Just give me one fucking statement. But we don't really know what's going on because Vince McMahon is an unpredictable fucking piece of shit. This man could wake up tomorrow morning and say, yep, I want creative back. I'm going to remove Paul Levesque, and I'm going to take over next Monday. Which we, 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 we may very well see Vince McMahon on Raw 30, the 30th anniversary. This is Vince McMahon's creation. He created Monday Night Raw. You don't think he's going to show up on Monday Night Raw? There's a huge possibility of that. Huge possibility of that. But these meetings are fucking bullshit. I mean, all you're doing is making people worry by still harping on the same fucking thing. Nobody should believe Kevin Dunn. And it sounds like Paul Levesque is wanting to really convince himself that he is in charge or convince himself that he will remain in charge when we all know that more than likely he will not remain in charge. I said this last night, Vince McMahon, if he's running creative, he's going to do so in the shadows, which was speculated by everybody after he had stepped away and retired anyway. I said this for months. If you told me that you felt Vince McMahon was still booking the show, 
I would not bat an eyelash. I would absolutely take your opinion as credible. I would not argue with you. And the more that we got into the Triple H administration, the more likely it seemed that Vince McMahon might be booking the shows because things drastically changed overnight. Raw is not the same that it was back in July, August. It was not and has not been. The show feels off. Things feel off. Vince McMahon's going to do so in secret. I said it last night. If Vince McMahon announces he is running creative, and if there's an announcement Vince McMahon is running creative and Paul Levesque is removed, everybody loves Triple H. Everybody. There will be a huge backlash that I don't think WWE wants to test the waters with. If Vince McMahon announced he was back and running creative, not only will there be fan upheaval, the roster will get up and say, fuck this shit, I'm done. Nobody wants him there. Nobody. And if he is running the shit, if he is running the show, he's doing so cohesively with Triple H, and you know Vince McMahon always gets his way. No matter what Triple H says, I'm in control. I make the final say. When does Triple H make the final say over Vince McMahon any day of the week? I I don't understand how you read this fucking garbage that you got to subscribe $5 to to listen to somebody shill you. Triple H says he has the final say over Vince McMahon? How do you fucking believe that? How? That's not the only concern in the company. Feeling is that Vince McMahon may return to TV soon. Supposedly, Triple H is still in charge. Nick Khan is running the business part of WWE. Triple H is running the creative part of WWE. Dave Meltzer spoke on Wrestling Observer Radio. He noted that there is a feeling within WWE that McMahon may return to television in the near future to see what kind of reaction he gets. That's all we need. You know what that's going to lead to. Do you know what that's going to lead to? Because I could absolutely see it happening. He did this right before he resigned from the company last summer. He showed up on TV. He was charged and all the allegations against him, right? People were bowing to him. People were in the crowd bowing to him as no chance in hell. Shot up on the fucking uh, PA system. That's how fucking delusional people are. That's how out of touch. These are the people that Vince McMahon wants watching WWE. Those that will bow to his every whim. Vince McMahon wants to return to television. And Dave Meltzer says there's a feeling that that may happen to see what type of reaction he gets. If Vince McMahon gets the type of reaction that he wants and people are there bowing to him, it is all the more reason. It is all the fuel he needs to say, look, look, they want me back. Maybe I should take this over again. I could still do it. Triple H doesn't put himself out there in that type of role. He never puts himself out there in front of the audience because it's not about him. Vince McMahon would because this entire thing is about Vince McMahon. It's not about selling the company. It's not about making the company better. It's not about working with his family to create the best WWE possible. It's about Vince McMahon's ego. It's about Vince McMahon getting the spotlight, which has overtaken everything leading into the Royal Rumble. And it's about Vince McMahon trying to manipulate and blackmail everybody in the company to get ultimate power. So now he wants to go back to television to see what type of reaction he gets, uh, according to Dave Meltzer, supposedly. 
He's going to use that as a gauge to say, yep, look at me. They want me back. They love me, man. I should have never went away. Everybody that told me to go away was wrong. Meltzer says Vince is at the office. He's back at Titan Tower. He's back. He's back in Stanford under his fucking uh, dinosaur skull. He hasn't been on TV yet, but I say probably yet. Is he going to go back to TV? There are certainly rumors running around that he will. I've asked people, and they wouldn't be surprised, but it's not like there's a date. But is he going to be on a week from Monday? Is he going to be at the Rumble? I don't know. I don't know. I could certainly see him showing up next week for Raw's 30th anniversary. I could definitely see him show up to introduce us to WrestleMania. That's all you need to see. As soon as you see Vince McMahon back on television, you know he is in that fucking chair and he's running the show. As soon as you see him back on television, that is all the indication you need that he is running the show and Triple H is no longer. Who knows? There's that feeling that Vince is going to want to go out on TV and he'll get the big reaction when he does. He's in the office. He is talking about things other than the sale And I think there'll probably be more and more Vince fingerprints as time goes on. As far as creative goes, it just depends. If Vince wants it, he'll get it. He may do it slowly. Who knows? End quote, says Dave Meltzer. I don't know. Nobody knows. It is unpredictable. Vince McMahon's actions, some have been predictable. Something like this is going to be unpredictable because you cannot Have him just show up and say, yep, I'm back to run creative. Everything is going to be undone and overturned. No, you can't do that. Can't do that. That would cause just absolute fucking chaos in every sense of the word. I do feel Vince McMahon will be back on TV, and I do believe these reports. I do believe these reports that people are worried, and they have a right to be worried. They have every fucking reason to be worried because this man should not be trusted. Kevin Dunn should not be trusted. Triple H wants to calm everybody down because morale is up and they're heading into the biggest fucking season of their year. He doesn't want people not wanting to be there. He doesn't want people worrying going into the Rumble. So he's going to do whatever he has to do and people love him so much and respect him so much that whatever he says, they are going to say, you know what, Paul said it. So it's got to be true. But we don't know. We don't know. Vince McMahon's return isn't expected to affect any WrestleMania status of The Rock and John Cena. For now. For now. That may be one of the reasons why many people are telling him to stay away. So WWE wants The Rock for WrestleMania. This is no secret. They want John Cena for WrestleMania. This is no secret. Logan Paul, this is no secret. Steve Austin, no secret. Speaking on Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer noted that McMahon's return will have no impact whatsoever on The Rock's decision to return. Now, what could change The Rock's mind would be if WWE was sold to Saudi Arabia. If the sale goes through, it is unlikely to happen until after WrestleMania anyway. So The Rock will be retired and gone by that time anyway. Meltzer says, and I quote, the basic thing is that Dwayne Johnson is going to do what he has to do in that time. If he has the time... The Vince stuff is going to have no impact whatsoever. He's going to do it if he feels he can do it well and has time to train for it, which he may not because of his commitments to the XFL. I did talk with Garrett about this as well on The Observer. The Vince thing will have no impact. A sale to Saudi Arabia is a different story. But that's not going to happen before WrestleMania anyway, most likely. So Vince coming back, is it going to affect John Cena? Is it going to affect The Rock? No. 
They're going to do whatever they were going to do before. End quote. Meltzer did go on to say as well that they expect John Cena at WrestleMania and The Rock. It just depends on his time frame and schedule. I would say, Meltzer says, we're within two weeks of a yes or no on that one because they have to have their answer by Royal Rumble because they've got to know what to do at the Rumble, says Dave Meltzer. And I'll talk about the Royal Rumble uh, a little bit later in the show because Cody Rhodes did announce that he will be entering the Royal Rumble on January 28th. Nobody knows what number he is, but he is back officially and will be making his return inside the 30-man Royal Rumble. You should be worried. Everybody should be worried about Vince McMahon. If you are not, you need to start worrying. Things are only going to get worse. And the fact that Stephanie McMahon walked away and left her position on the board of directors, that's all you need to know. I really urge you guys to go watch that podcast if you did not watch it last night, episode 459. We uncover so much and bring so many different points of view to the table about all this Vince McMahon being made into the head of the board of directors again and giving his critiques on the product and suggestions to the product in certain departments. Vince McMahon is telling departments that they're not doing things correctly. They are. They are doing a lot of things correctly. The show isn't running any differently without Vince McMahon. It's the fact that Vince McMahon thinks they're not doing it the Vince McMahon way. He wants it done his way. That's all he cares about. He cannot stand to see anybody else run the company better than him. Appreciate you guys joining me tonight, man. Quickly, follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Cameo. Links are down below in the description. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Make sure you guys go and check out all the other content on the channel. YouTube shorts, all the live streams, all on the homepage. So make sure you guys go check them out. And the podcast is available on Blue Wire, Spotify, and iTunes, and all other major audio platforms as well. 2,500 in the venue, still growing. Hit that thumbs up. I would really appreciate it. We're looking for 1,000 likes, 1,000 thumbs up minimum on tonight's show. So please hit that thumbs up. Super chats are open. Get them on in. We'll hang out at the end of the show with our cold beverages and go over any questions you may have or opinions you may have. Memberships are open. Get them on in. We had six new members last night on the live stream. I really appreciate you guys wanting to be a part of the VIP club. Right here on OTS, I want to shout out Brian Reagan, Robert Gasly, Eric Kendrick, Cruz Ruiz, Vanja, Munchie Time, 248 Radio, Revenge, Alan McDonald, and Rivals Burgers and Steaks, who have all either joined for the first time or re-upped. Rival is looking at a 23-month Membership. He's got one more month to go for that golden microphone. Thank you guys very much, man. Hit that join button down below and join as a VIP. You're going to want to get access to sit down with me in your mother's basement. Man, oh man, I got the uh, early, early, early draft of what's going on, man. Oh my goodness. We are taking the mother's basement insults and we're throwing it right back in everybody's face man you're gonna want to sit 
in your mother's basement and have a cold beverage, and you'll be proud to have a seat in your mother's basement. Telling you right now. Telling you right now, man. I can't wait. The fun, the fun part to me is getting all the Easter eggs in there. Love it. And tonight's show is sponsored by Blue Chew. Make sure you guys check out Blue Chew, man. We are signed on with Blue Chew for the rest of 2023. Man, I love Blue Chew. I love the team over at Blue Chew. Glenn, Shane, and the team over there, excellent, have taken care of me tremendously. BlueChew.com. Make sure you guys get your free sample. Code JD at checkout. All you have to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling And who doesn't love shit for free, bro? I know I do. Let's get into Monday Night Raw, man. We're going to start off at the top. The Usos, the Bloodline, are on Monday Night Raw. They made their entrance with Solo Sokoa, man. How great is the presentation for Solo Sokoa? Holy shit. He is turning slowly into the modern, he's turning into not even the modern day Umaga. He's turning into a basic, you know, fucking reincarnation of Umaga. I love it. I think it's fucking fantastic. So Jimmy Uso's in the ring. No Sami Zayn, by the way. No Sami Zayn, by the way. He was not there. Kevin Patrick said so many questions remain about how Sami Zayn feels after Friday night. And Sami Zayn, you know, we'll talk about him as the week goes on, but. After Friday, it certainly looks like to me, and I thought they were going to swing in one direction with Sami Zayn. They were going to turn on Sami Zayn. After Friday, it looked like Sami Zayn, and I watched that segment back a couple of times after the show was over. It looks like Sami actually may turn on the bloodline himself. So I don't know how they're going to go about that, and I am definitely intrigued with what's going on with Sami Zayn more and more as the week goes on. Jimmy Uso said, the bloodline is now in your city. You know, we, the ones, and all these other geek podcasts are the twos. Jimmy Uso said they run SmackDown and Raw every single week. He said before Solo put a beating on Mustafa Ali tonight, they want to address what happened on Friday. He said he hopes KO got the message that you can't cross the tribal chief and get away with it. He'll learn one last hard lesson at the Royal Rumble. He says they have big plans for Raw 30. Jimmy said every generation of the bloodline will be joining them in an acknowledgement ceremony for Roman Reigns. Jay says they're going to beat the Judgment Day tonight because they the twos and we the ones. This is going to be tremendous. An acknowledgement ceremony for Roman Reigns. With the entire bloodline family, the entire lineage of the bloodline in Philadelphia on Monday Night Raw for the 30th anniversary. If they don't have The Rock, I would be shocked. I mean, you can't make a statement like that and then then not deliver The Rock because you just told us that every generation of the bloodline will be joining them in an acknowledgement ceremony for Roman Reigns. If The Rock is not there, they blatantly fucking falsified that statement, and they fucking lied to you. Does WWE have The Rock next week in Philadelphia? I don't know. I don't know. Would they bring The Rock to Philadelphia and have him show up next week instead of the Royal Rumble? Maybe this would be WWE's way to build 
Roman versus The Rock for WrestleMania without actually having The Rock win the Royal Rumble because I think that's a terrible idea. I think that's an awful idea. The Rock should not win the Royal Rumble. If The Rock comes out at number 30 and wins the Royal Rumble, WWE will have wasted everybody's fucking time. Everybody. I would rather him get into a match with Roman Reigns via this instead of the Royal Rumble. So we'll see. WWE definitely leaving a trail of breadcrumbs here because if they don't deliver The Rock, then they're not delivering every generation of the bloodline. Judgment Day comes out. Rhea Ripley, Finn Balor, Dominic Mysterio, and Damian Priest. Rhea Ripley said the Judgment Day run Monday Night Raw. Balor says they ran the gauntlet last week, and now they are running straight for the bloodline. Jimmy was laughing at Judgment Day. Judgment Day got in the ring. Balor says he wanted to thank the ex-con, Dominic, for stepping up and helping them earn a title shot. They're really running with this Dominic ex-con thing. Corey Graves is getting this shit over big time, man. He's having a fucking blast out there. My God, man, without Corey Graves, Kevin Patrick is absolute dog shit. He's dog shit by himself, but Corey Graves is single-handedly carrying this entire commentary team. Every single week, man, the guy does not get enough praise. Balor was still selling his injury from last week. He said those Raw Tag Team titles are coming permanently back to Monday nights. Damian Priest says they always say they run Raw. He asked if they ever stepped up to the Judgment Day before, though. Dominic then sniffed around and says that he smells fear coming off the Usos because they're scared. Jimmy and Jay obviously laughed at Dominic. Jimmy asked, scared of who? Scared of you? He told Dom to check their track record. Jay and Jimmy listed all the teams that they've defeated, including starting this reign by beating Ray and Dominic Mysterio. Dominic says he hears them talking, but they won't last a minute in his cell with prisoners that he dealt with. He said in the pen, they called the Usos wannabes. Now, I I don't really know why Dominic is talking about being in prison to the Usos. I think they know a thing or two about being locked up. Dominic said Solo is just standing back doing nothing. Solo then stepped up to his face, had an intense stare down with Dominic. Rhea Ripley got in between them and stared at Solo. I'm thankful that Solo Sokoa did not run away from Rhea Ripley scared. Not like Walter or uh, Gunther. Gunther was running away from Braun Strowman. Now, he's in Rhea's face, and Solo knocked Dominic down. A big brawl broke out. Graves said Dominic did what he had to do because he felt like he was in the prison yard. You walk up to the biggest guy and punch him. Mustafa Ali then leapt off the top rope and pounded away at Solo, and we got this match between Ali and Solo Sokoa to start Monday Night Raw. Let's backtrack. Before we get to the match with Solo and Mustafa Ali, which I'm assuming you know who won this match. Dominic was really good here. Judgment Day was really good. I enjoyed the stare down between Rhea Ripley and Solo Sokoa. This match is happening next week on Monday Night Raw. I said this last week, and I'm going to say it again. Just in case you guys missed the show or just in case you guys forgot what I said. I do not see Judgment Day winning the tag team titles. 
I do not see WWE splitting the tag team titles up right now. I, I get what they're trying to do. I get that it's storyline and Adam Pearce is just upset that the bloodline continues to infiltrate his show on Monday night and they continue to show up on a brand that they're not really supposed to be on because they all find their home on Friday nights. But the thing is, they have every right to be there. They have every right to be there. They are the Raw and SmackDown unified tag team or undisputed tag team champions. They can be on Monday Night Raw whenever they want. Now, because of the carnage that they have caused, Adam Pearce is now laying down the law and saying, okay, I want you guys completely off Monday Night Raw, and I'm going to have you guys punished. You're going to defend the Raw Tag Team titles and the SmackDown Tag Team titles for the first time in your reign individually, and I'm going to have you go up against Judgment Day and then the Banger Bros on Friday nights or whoever wins that tournament on Friday night SmackDown, which I assume the Banger Bros will end up winning the tournament. I don't want the WWE to split the tag team titles right now. This is not what we need. I get that everybody wants titles back on their appropriate brands. I get that everybody would love to see Dominic and Finn Balor or Damian Priest have tag team championships. The bottom line is the Raw Tag Team Division and the SmackDown Tag Team Division separated, existing on their own, is not enough for individual titles on Raw and SmackDown. You can't have a division of five teams and then call it a division. It's not a division. WWE does not have enough manpower on both shows in the tag team division to really call it a division. So why are we splitting the tag team championships up and putting them both back on Raw and SmackDown potentially? It doesn't work. It's illogical and it doesn't make sense. Secondly, the Usos, they're on this historic reign. Do you want it to go to Judgment Day? Because I know I don't. You haven't been watching Judgment Day and The Bloodline for fucking months. You haven't been watching Finn Balor and Damian Priest and Dominic Mysterio battle the Judgment Day. You've been watching Sami Zayn and the story of Sami Zayn in the bloodline. That's what you've been watching. You've been watching Kevin Owens deal with Roman Reigns and the bloodline. You've been watching Sami Zayn feel bad about Kevin Owens being beat up on Friday. You've been watching Kevin Owens trying to snap some sense into Sami Zayn and get him out of the bloodline, wondering why he's affiliated with the bloodline because he's not blood. That's who the match should go to. The Usos should not be losing the tag team championships to anybody. Banger Bros, Street Profits, Judgment Day. The titles should not be split. If you're going to lose, if the Usos are going to lose, it should not happen before WrestleMania. I don't know why we're teasing the Usos losing before WrestleMania because then it defeats the purpose of everything you've watched with Sami Zayn moving into this bloodline storyline. Doesn't make sense to me. Why would you want to take that opportunity away from Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens to get the tag team championships at WrestleMania against the Usos? Because Kevin Owens is not beating Roman Reigns. Sami Zayn is not beating Roman Reigns if they do him and Roman Reigns at the Elimination Chamber in Montreal. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens versus the Usos at WrestleMania. The Usos should not, in any way, shape, or form, no matter what, should be losing 
before WrestleMania. I don't give a fuck how many tag teams you want to beat the Usos. I don't give a shit how big of a fan of Judgment Day you are. They should not beat the Usos. And I don't think that they will. This match is just a means to an end. This match is just WWE trying to find something for the Usos to do. In the meantime, our Raw 30, we got to have them on the show. Let's put them against Judgment Day. We got a tag team title tournament happening on Friday Night SmackDown. We're going to have, I don't know how many teams are going to be competing in this thing. I don't think they have eight teams to compete in a fucking tournament. No matter who wins that, is going to lose. Judgment Day is going to lose. I'm sorry. Splitting the titles, listen, at one point or another, I never wanted the titles to be split. Never. I've been saying this since 2016. So you know where I stand on this. You want the titles split again? We're going backwards, if that's the case. The WWE should not have split titles. No. The WWE always since then, and that is the fucking hill that I died on since 2016. My flag is in that fucking hill. The WWE should have one tag team title and one division that floats between Raw and SmackDown. Why do we have different rules for the men's tag team titles, but the ladies' tag team titles can go from any brand that they want? I don't get it. I don't understand it. You got one rule for the men and a different rule for the women. The Usos should not lose, period, until WrestleMania to Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. Now, this match with Solo Sokoa, this went about seven minutes. Fun little match here. Ali's great. Anything he does in there is going to make his opponent look great. Solo Sokoa is an absolute fucking savage. I love watching him go because, like I said, he is the reincarnate of Umaga, and that is a beautiful thing to see. Sokoa was in control. When the Usos decided to reappear and pose on the apron, this brought out Kevin Owens, who fought off Jimmy and Jay. This distraction allowed Ali to tornado DDT late in the match. That's pretty much the only offense he got as Sokoa was just beating the shit out of him. Sokoa avoided a 450 splash, hit a devastating Samoan spike for the 1-2-3, and so Sokoa got the, uh, the pinfall victory over Mustafa Ali. Owens immediately after the match dropped Sokoa with a stone-cold stunner and laid him out, put the boots to him. KO then went to the outside, cleared the announce desk, and threw Solo onto it because he wanted payback for what Solo did to him on Friday. Solo put Kevin Owens on the SmackDown announce desk and ran the barricade and did a big Umaga splash right through the table and Kevin Owens. KO threw chairs of the Usos as Adam Pearce and other officials tried to stop him. Owens was held back as the Usos retreated and Owens stood on the announce desk and he was... Very, very wild and animated on Monday Night Raw because he is seeking revenge on the bloodline. How great does Kevin Owens look, man? I want you guys, you know, when when people tell me, when people tell me, well, what has changed? What has changed, J.D.? What has changed, man, uh, from the Vince McMahon and and Triple H administration? Uh, I'm sorry. Please tell me when the last time Vince McMahon took... Kevin Owens, the way we see him now as a top priority. Kevin Owens looks like a bigger star. He looks like a legit superstar out there compared to any moment, any time in the entire Vince McMahon era. Triple H knows what the fuck he's doing with Kevin Owens. That's the creative for Kevin Owens. You see where he he ranks, and I love it. He should be in. He should have been in that spot. 
Vince McMahon wouldn't be doing this with Kevin Owens. We wouldn't be getting Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble if this was Vince McMahon. God knows who Roman Reigns would be wrestling at the Royal Rumble. So start showing some fucking appreciation to Triple H and what he's done with guys like Solo Sokoa and the Usos and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. These are guys that were fucking uh, lost in the wind on Monday night. We got a promo airing with Bobby Lashley. Speaking about the six-man elimination match in the main event, winner of that six-man elimination would wrestle Austin Theory for the United States Championship on Raw 30. Says he was going to win and get back his United States Championship and put Austin Theory away for good at Monday Night Raw. We got a video package on Cody Rhodes and the path to recovery. And the video package pretty much highlighted exactly what we were anticipating. They showed him coming out of the Hell in a Cell. They showed him through surgery, rehabilitation, and then going back to the Nightmare Factory to train and get better and get back to being where Cody Rhodes needs to be. Cody Rhodes apparently has been training with Carmelo Hayes and Joe Gacy down at the Performance Center. Joe Gacy and Carmelo Hayes, a part of NXT on Tuesday nights. I love it. I love it. Two different styles gives Cody Rhodes what he needs to know and what he needs to get back into ring shape with those two different styles, with Carmelo and Joe Gacy. These Cody Rhodes vignettes have been fantastic. And there's news on who actually is in charge of these video packages for Cody Rhodes. And again, you know, when I read stories about Vince McMahon sending suggestions or wanting changes to certain departments because they're not doing things the right way, I ask you what actually isn't being done the right way because something like this in this particular department has been done to the absolute brilliance that it should be. These have been fucking great. Who do you think has been in charge of this shit? Somebody that Triple H has had on his team since the days of black and gold. And his name is Jeremy Borash. Dave Meltzer spoke on this on the Wrestling Observer. He noted that Jeremy Borash, who worked with TNA Impact for several years before joining WWE, is in charge of all the Cody Rhodes return vignettes. Do you know who's in charge of the Cody Rhodes video package stuff? Jeremy Borash. But things aren't being done the right way, says Vince McMahon. Who exactly would you put in charge? I guess not everything Triple H does is bad, huh? Give me a fucking break. Nothing needs to be changed. Only in Vince McMahon's sick, demented, fucking twisted mind does anything need to be changed. This has been great. This is what I want to see. These are the people I want working and producing content for the WWE. These people get it. They fucking care. And Triple H has trusted them enough to get the point across. And they've done it beautifully. Nothing needs to be changed. The only thing that needs to change is Vince McMahon needs to get the fuck out. I'm sick and tired of actually talking about him, to be quite honest with you. Saxton. He's in the back. Trying to get a word with Adam Pierce. He said it's been... A revolving door of superstars trying to talk to Pierce into letting them into the Rumble. Elias shows up. 
So 2022 was a wild year for him as he left, watched his brother's career take off, and then fizzle out far too soon. No, it fizzled out uh, not soon enough. Not soon enough was uh, his brother, Ezekiel. Watched his brother's career take off and fizzle out. And then he came back and lost his best friend in a match to the bloodline. He said he'll right some wrongs as he begins the vengeance tour after winning the Royal Rumble. Here's a spoiler, folks. Elias is not winning the Royal Rumble. Not anywhere near the end will be Elias. He thinks he will win the Rumble. MVP walks out of Adam Pearce's office and walks up to Elias and said if he ever wants his finger to shrum the guitar again, don't bother Adam Pearce about the Royal Rumble. He said the winner of the Royal Rumble is a done deal. I knew who this was before we even got to later in the show. Elias thought MVP said he was winning the Royal Rumble and says he hasn't been relevant in years. MVP says he could arrange for him to face the Royal Rumble winner later on Monday Night Raw. Elias agreed. MVP says it's easy money and he'd go talk to Adam Pearce about this. So clearly we know it's not Bobby Lashley because Bobby Lashley's in the main event for the United States Championship number one contender. So who else is it going to be? Shelton Benjamin? Cedric Alexander? No, it's going to be who exactly who you think it is. And I'm not terribly excited about that either. Elias will not be winning the Royal Rumble. On to the next. Street Profits, Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins versus Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander. This was pretty good. Nine minutes. Dawkins gave Benjamin a spine buster. Montez Ford hit a frog splash, but Alexander broke up the cover. Benjamin suplexed Ford off the top. Dawkins broke up that cover. Ford wiped out Benjamin with a dive before Alexander wiped out Ford with a suicide dive through the ropes. That led to Dawkins taking everybody out with a dive of his own. Dawkins hit a spinning stinger splash in the corner. MVP apparently was supposed to yank Alexander out of the way, but he was too late, so Dawkins hit Alexander in the corner, and then pretended like his face hit the turnbuckle, which it did not, and he had to sell a botch uh, done to Alexander by MVP. So MVP clearly was out of place and did not get to the apron to yank Alexander out of the corner in time. It looked ridiculous, so Dawkins had to sell it anyway. MVP still distracted the referee, which allowed Benjamin and Alexander to double-team Dawkins. Alexander hit a huge jumping knee strike, which seemed to have the match won, but Dawkins countered his cover into a cradle for a one, two, three. Decent little match here. Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander, nice to see them on Monday Night Raw. Hints of the Hurt Business getting back together to do business on Monday night. Can't really hate on that. Shelton Benjamin, how old is he, man? 47, 48 years old? Jumping up to the top rope like he's fucking uh, 24 years old, man, to do a superplex to Montez Ford. God doesn't seem to age, man. He may have the fountain of youth in his backyard. Excellent stuff. Alpha Academy. I love Chad Gable and Otis. They are great. Two of my favorite guys on the show. Kathy Kelly was backstage. She interviewed the Judgment Day. Balor says he's ready for the six-pack challenge. And then he pointed to his six-pack abs. Chad Gable and Otis walked up to them, shush, shush please, says that he couldn't believe his cauliflower ears when he overheard them speaking. 
He says they barely snuck by Alpha Academy last week in the tag team title gauntlet. He says they'll get their redemption tonight. Ripley then chimes in and told him to walk away before she does something to him she will not regret. Dominic says he spent all day and night in the yard working out. Gable says he must supplement a strong body with a strong mind. He says he has to work on both. He told Dom next time he's in prison, he should sign up for an Alpha Academy course online. Dominic says he doesn't want to know what prisoners would do to someone like Gable. Priest said, that's enough, that's enough, and told them to go take a walk and get the hell out of here before something bad happens. And then Chad Gable said, don't worry, Otis didn't get his steps in tonight, so I think that's a good idea. Take you, and walks away. I love Alpha Academy, man. They are so good. That's who you want to represent your tag team titles when it's the right time. I love those guys. And they are slowly but surely turning face. Otis is over big time. I don't know where that came from, but Otis is over big time, man. I don't know what happened. Maybe it's just uh, one of those things that has taken all this time to kind of marinate, and now fans love Otis all of a sudden. He's over. Alpha Academy's over. I love it. Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch makes her way to the ring. With her little hobbitses, my precious Becky Lynch. She doesn't do that anymore, but, uh, you know, I always got to get my uh, my fill in you know, with the little hobbits and Becky Lynch reenacting Lord of the Rings. Because Bruce Pritchard wanted to go on a fucking uh, J.R. Tolkien fucking fest at home on TNT. Becky Lynch made her way through the crowd. And she's out there to confront Bailey of damage control. Becky brought up the Bengals' playoff win and said she even dyed her hair orange to celebrate. I did not find this funny. Becky Lynch still manages to be cringe when she wants. So she called out Bailey and referred to Bailey as a Karen. She called Bailey a Karen. I don't think Bailey is a Karen. I would not disrespect Bailey with such demeaning words or ideologies. Bailey, Dakota Kai, and EO walked out. Bailey was wearing a San Francisco 49er jersey. She she protested being called Karen. Becky said she is a Karen. Bailey said, no, my name is Bailey. They tried to reenact some lame comedy skit here. It failed. She called Bailey a dope. And Kevin Patrick said that is actually a nasty insult in Ireland. I don't know if that's true or not, but I, I got a chuckle out of him saying that it was a nasty insult in Ireland. That may have been the best thing he said since he took over since September. Bailey entered the ring. She gets face-to-face with Bailey, or with uh, Becky does Bailey. Real mature, Bex. Real mature. Bailey says she's calling her all these names, but that's just a sign of her bitterness that she lost to her and that she still has no friends to stand next to her. Becky said she has an arena full of friends. She said she's a sour-faced dope who peaked in 2015. Bailey said she ran NXT while Becky ran off with the other horsewomen and you took my spot. 
I like the fact that they brought up some old grudges in NXT and the fact that Bailey was left behind while Charlotte, Sasha, and Becky all got called up to the main roster. But there's a reason why Bailey needed to stay behind. There's a reason why Bailey needed to stay behind in NXT. Otherwise, WWE would have called all four of them up. Becky said she wasn't brought up before Bailey because they saw more in her. She said Bailey had said at the time she wanted to stay in NXT to be a leader and have her own spotlight. Bailey needed to stay in NXT because when they pulled all three of those women from NXT, there was really nobody left in that women's division and they needed to replenish the division. And they felt like instead of calling all four of them up and crippling the division completely, they left Bailey down there to lead as a babyface until we got another solid heel to come along and take that division over. And then we can call Bailey up when the time is right and the division is replenished. I don't recall who was in that division at the time, but I do think that it was the right decision to leave Bailey behind while the others got called up. Now, they went back and forth, and I appreciate the fact that they went back to the NXT days and started bickering over the NXT days. I like that. So Becky said she was seen as just another body and wasn't supposed to be the first woman to win the main event of WrestleMania, which is true. Becky Lynch was not supposed to be in that main event. It was absolutely heading towards Charlotte and Ronda Rousey. Charlotte was going to be in the first women's main event of WrestleMania, in WrestleMania history. Becky supposedly had her nose broken, transcended the fucking industry, and WWE could not ignore how over Becky Lynch was with the audience leading into that WrestleMania, where they forced Becky to get the spot at WrestleMania against what WWE truly wanted. And Charlotte honestly brought that match down because it became a lot about Ronda and Becky, and Charlotte was the third wheel. And I don't think Charlotte added anything to that match at all. And I don't think that main event was all that great anyway. I honestly thought that main event was fucking terrible. The match sucked. On top of that, the event was too long, and the event didn't go on, or the match, rather, didn't go on until after 12 o'clock, when everybody wanted to be done with this fucking horrendous WrestleMania. But yes, Becky was not supposed to be there. She said she did because she lived for it and worked harder than anyone else. And she'll do it until she can't do it anymore. She said she knows Bailey loves it, but there are two differences between them. Or differences between them. Not two differences, just differences between them. She said Bailey makes excuses when things don't go her way, blaming everyone else. Bailey told fans not to bother chanting Becky's name, which only enticed the fans to chant Becky's name. She said she became the man because she was punched in the face by another woman. Nia Jax was not named in this particular instance. Becky said maybe she'll punch her in the face to get her out of the rut that she's been in. Becky asked if she's going to keep hiding behind Io Sky and Dakota Kai. Bailey said she didn't need them to beat Becky and doesn't need them now. Becky said so she'll have no problem facing her next week. Facing her next week on Monday Night Raw, 30th anniversary. Facing her in a steel cage match. Bailey, very hesitant, said no problem. Becky called her out on her lack of confidence in that acceptance of the match. Bailey called her an idiot and said she would see Becky next week. 
I enjoyed this back and forth. This was probably the best back and forth that Becky's had in a very long time. And that's probably the best Bailey has looked since Damage Control even got started. I thought this was tremendous. Excellent stuff by both ladies. Still cage match on Monday Night Raw between Bailey and Becky. I think that's going to be a banger match. Should be great in Philadelphia. Now, I did feel, I did feel some tension. I don't know how you guys felt. I did feel some tension in the statement that Bailey made. I don't need them to beat you, and I don't need them now. Dakota Kai kind of gave Bailey a look of like, really? Really? I don't know how you guys felt about that, but could you see damage control being broken up? Could you see Bailey kind of moving on and doing something on her own away from damage control? Honestly, I think a lot of people are uttering the same sentiment that damage control isn't really lighting the world on fire. And it's a failed concept. Maybe we see them break up. I don't know. I just felt like that was a different vibe there. I felt like Dakota kind of shot Bailey a look of like, really? Did you just say that? You don't need us and you don't need us now? I don't know. We'll see what happens, but... In that steel cage match, you all know how WWE steel cage matches work. You all know how steel cage matches work in general. They are used to keep people out, but they never keep the outside parties out of the ring. It is just a means to more chaos. That's all it is. Dolph Ziggler was backstage. He was warming up when Ali showed up and said, it must be so good to be him, a guy who gets opportunity after opportunity handed to him. Ziggler said, nobody gets anything handed to them around here. He said, he doesn't have time to pay attention to him now. Ali hit Ziggler and asked if he had his attention now. Sounds like Ali may be turning heel. I don't know. And Dolph Ziggler really didn't do anything to earn an opportunity to get a United States Championship match at all. Half of the fucking people in that match didn't deserve an opportunity at the United States Championship, yet they were there. Ali should take uh, up a problem with more than just Dolph Ziggler. Elias, he's in the ring. MVP walked out and said he seemed confused earlier. He says he will be facing the 2023 Royal Rumble winner, but that is not him himself. It is somebody that we desperately did not need on the show. Somebody that has now made his return to WWE and gives me the inclination that Vince McMahon may be booking the show because we haven't seen this man in many, 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 many weeks. And that is the Omos is back on Monday night. And the crowd goes fucking mild. The crowd goes mild. I know. I know. I, I, listen. I know! Terrible. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. He walks out there. This match ended in about two minutes and 30 seconds. So, Elias punched away on Omos. Omos came after him. He leapt onto his back with a sleeper, did Elias. Omos flipped him off of him. He charged at Elias. Elias moved. When Elias charged towards Omos, MVP blocked him with his cane. 
Elias picked up his guitar. Omos blocked his guitar swing and then headbutted him. Omos smashed the guitar at ringside. Elias kicked Omos, went back into the ring, landed a jumping knee, climbed up to the top rope. Omos grabbed him by the throat and slammed him down to the mat in a choke slam. One, two, three, and Omos wins over Elias. Listen, man, the venue is very displeased. All right, the segment is over, okay? We're moving on. Can't even do my fucking job, man. Jesus fucking Christ. Omos is terrible. Omos is terrible. I got people arguing with me online about fucking uh, Omos. JD Omos, he's so good, man. He's going to be great in the hurt business. (laughs) Give me a fucking break, man. This guy is awful. He's awful. Whoever asks for Omos on TV, nobody. Nobody. He is genuinely change the channel TV. Now, would he be great as an enforcer? This, this is what I don't get. This is what I don't get, man. A lot of people are like, oh, well. well, he would be a great muscle or a great enforcer in the herb business. The fuck do we have Bobby Lashley in the herb business for? We need Omos when we have Bobby Lashley, right? Yes, because Bobby Lashley's not enough fucking muscle in the herb business. It's ridiculous. Shit sucks. Omos has already hit his ceiling. You know, when I saw Omos come out on Monday Night Raw, I was like, I was pretty convinced, well, Vince is definitely making suggestions. That's not a Triple H suggestion. That's a Vince McMahon suggestion right there. I would put money, good money, on this being a Vince McMahon suggestion. Just throwing it out there. Take a sip of my beverage, man. These sound effects, uh, you know. I got to have a strong voice to finish this show. Moving on. Byron Saxon interviewed Adam Pearce backstage about Raw 30. Adam Pearce touted, what an unforgettable night that will be. Akira Tozawa walked in and asked Adam Pearce for a spot in the Royal Rumble. Yes, I love a lot of things in life too, man. That doesn't mean we're going to get them. Adam Pearce says, all right, you're going to have to earn it. Tozawa says he'd like to prove himself in a match. Pearce said, no guarantees, but it will give him a match to impress management. Okay. There we go. There we go. Alpha Academy, Gable and Otis versus Judgment Day. This was Damian Priest and Dominic Mysterio with Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley on the outside. This was good. This was probably one of the best things on the entire show, man, to be brutally honest with you. I thought this was very, very good. Gable gave Dom a diving headbutt halfway across the ring, made the hot tag to Otis, and Otis, man, I tell you what, this is the third straight week that Otis has got a standing ovation and the crowd popped big for stakes and weights. I mean, I don't know what it is. I don't know where this is coming from. Maybe they uh, maybe they love the genuineness of uh, big man Otis, but I'm loving it. I have no problem with it whatsoever. I don't. As long as they don't change their uh, overall demeanor and attitude, I think this would be great. Alpha Academy as a babyface tag team, I think that's awesome. But 
I wonder what the moment was. Maybe it's just, maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's just the fans appreciating Otis's genuine good humor and good nature in there. I don't know. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe there was not a moment at all that turned the tide for Otis to get this over. He's big over. Good. Priest booted Otis. Otis came back with a world's strongest slam for a near fall on Damian Priest. Excellent. Otis gave Priest a caterpillar, kind of. He kind of fell over and tripped over himself, but landed on top of Damian Priest anyway. Crowd didn't seem to care. He went up for a big uh, Vader bomb. Dom tried and failed to attack Gable, but the distraction allowed Priest to choke slam Otis with a South of Heaven choke slam off the second rope. And then Gable gets in there to give Damian Priest a Chaos Theory German suplex, which folds Damian Priest in half. Dom tried to catch Gable with a surprise schoolboy, but Gable kicked out and countered into an ankle lock. Crowd was going crazy here. They wanted Dom to tap, but a distraction by Rhea Ripley and Finn Balor allowed Damian Priest to choke slam Chad Gable. Dominic rolled on top of Gable to get the one, two, three. Really good stuff here. I thought this was awesome. And Alpha Academy is uh, slowly but surely turning into a babyface tag team, man. I like it. I like it a lot. Meechin. Is it Meechin, Mia Yim? Is it just Meechin? Is it just Mia Yim? I don't know. I don't know. She's out there with Candice LeRae. She went one-on-one, did Meechin against Io Sky, who was out there with Dakota Kai. Tag team champions, not really much to this at all. I mean, the crowd was basically dead for this, and I don't know why anybody would fucking care about Mia Yim. I mean, Mia Yim is ice cold. The OC is dead. And I hate to say that because, you know, Anderson and Gallows, you know, they, they are a very entertaining duo in their own right, but, I mean, sending Mia Yim out there, she was getting reactions because she was paired with them and AJ Styles, and now she's out there by herself, and she can't, Get a lick of a fucking reaction. And it sucks. It really does. Because she's very good. She's very good. So is Candice LeRae. And so is EO. And so is Dakota. They're all good. It's just they get thrown out there and nobody gives a shit about them. They had a back and forth here for about four minutes. Yim went for eat defeat but stopped what she was doing when Dakota Kai jumped on the apron. LeRae who was Mia Yim's insurance policy on the outside, yanked her down, so Sky dropkick LeRae. This allowed Mia Yim to hit eat defeat for the one, two, three. Man, it's so lenient here, so lazy. Got the tag team champions losing singles matches so that we can justify Mia Yim pinning a tag team champion so that Candice LeRae and Mia Yim can now challenge for the tag team titles. See how this works in WWE? Lame and lazy This is the Vince McMahon way. That's the Vince McMahon way to do things. Beating champions and then getting a tag team title opportunity the very next week or the week after because you pin the the, the champion in a match, in a singles match. Champions shouldn't be losing. I don't give a fuck who you are. Should not be losing singles matches, non-title matches on TV. This is a Vince McMahon decision. Another suggestion here by Vince McMahon, no doubt about it. Bianca Belair. And Alexa Bliss, Bianca's back after getting stitches in her head after the attack by Bliss. 
a couple of weeks ago. She made her way out to the ring. She said she was away for a few weeks and she missed us all so much. She said if she had her way, she'd never miss an episode of Raw. Well, you're a lot better off than we are. Holy shit. If I could miss an episode of Monday Night Raw, I absolutely would, man. If I wasn't watching, if I, if I wasn't doing this show, I absolutely would not be watching Monday Night Raw and I'd be on my PlayStation 5 for the fucking three hours. She said, but it's her job and that's too much to risk. She said, even if she ends up with a scar on her face after what Bliss did to her, she'd still face her again and again and again and again and again. She said, with every risk comes rewards of remaining the Raw Women's Champion. She held up the belt, got a little bit of an applause. The Cincinnati crowd is fucking awful. Uh, I don't know what it is with these fucking tame mid-WWE crowds. The AEW crowds have blown them out of the water for several weeks now. I wish I could bottle that up and spread some of that fucking crowd in WWE's universe here. It's almost as if they were forced to be in the crowd. I mean, that's a terrible way to look at it, man. It's almost as if these people were put in the crowd and they were they had a gun held to their head to be there. It's awful. But it's also the way the show was booked. It's three hours. It sucks. So she waited in the ring and said... She's heard everything that Bliss said last week, and she wanted to see if she had any guts to step out and say it to her face. So Alexa Bliss walks out. She's got this new remixed uh, evil uh, heel music of her, of her theme song, which sounds even awful, more awful than the original. Bliss said she fears her because she doesn't know what to expect from her. Belair interrupted an ex if she really wants to try and win the Royal Rumble to get a title shot. Why would you want to do that? So you want to go into the Royal Rumble and go and wrestle 30 other women to get a title match? Or you could just accept my challenge for a one-on-one match at the Royal Rumble for the Royal Women's Championship. Alexa Bliss asked, what's the catch? Belair said, the choice is hers. There is no catch. Bianca wants to beat the shit out of her. Bliss smiled, said she'd see her at the Rumble. Belair stepped out of the ring and said, well, why don't we see each other tonight too? So they brawled. And Belair and Bliss fought at ringside. Belair tossed Bliss around ringside for a little bit. Bliss ducked as Bianca charged at her. Belair flew over the barricade into the front row. There was a obvious fuck. It looked like an obvious plant who was standing there. Of all the fans in attendance during this segment, they they zoned in on some fucking fat slob. Holding up a, a Lily the doll. <laughs> Get her, Alexa. And she's holding up the Bliss doll, the, the fucking Lily the doll. I'm like, oh my God. How fucking obvious do you need to be, right? Whatever. So, Alexa Bliss thinks she gets rid of Bianca and takes care of her. And Alexa Bliss kind of rises. She's laying against the barricade, and then on the opposite end, uh, Bianca Belair kind of rises like the phoenix in the background. She starts beating the shit out of uh, Alexa Bliss here. Belair was uh, setting up Bliss for her finisher onto two chairs in the crowd. This was a nice little brawl here, I got to admit. So 
She set up two chairs in the crowd, and before she picked up Alexa Bliss, she was about to deliver the, the KOD through these two chairs. There was a little aisleway or a corridor, right, in the, uh, in the crowd. You, you, you start to see this blue light emanate from the aisleway there in the crowd, and smoke starts to emanate from this doorway, and out comes Uncle Howdy, and he's there, and he's doing his hand motion, and he's fucking dancing around all seductively in the fucking blue light and the smoke. And then all of a sudden, she takes Bianca and DDTs Bianca Belair on the floor. I like the presentation of Uncle Howdy. I do. I think the presentation of Uncle Howdy and uh, everything that kind of comes with Uncle Howdy, the mask, the image, the walk, the, the mannerisms, I like it. I like it a lot. I thought this was a decent little brawl between these two. Uh, Bianca Belair looked like she was uh, getting a little rough out there with Alexa Bliss. That looked good. That looked good. Nice little brawl here to set up their match at the Royal Rumble. Uh, I have to tell you guys, my opinion has not changed on this at all. I think whatever they're doing with Alexa Bliss is lame. I think this supernatural shit is garbage. I thought this was fucking ultra corny. And I honestly, you know, I I just, it doesn't feel genuine to me. It doesn't. You know when you're watching something happen and it just feels, what's the word? Too produced, right? Too orchestrated, it just felt so fucking orchestrated that it's like, it just, you can't even suspend your fucking disbelief, man. You're looking at this shit and it's like, fucking Christ, this is so fucking lame, honestly. You know, after the whole Bright Wyatt thing here, man, with Uncle Howdy and him doing his thing on, on Friday night, you know, I'm looking at this, you know, I'm still intrigued about who Uncle Howdy is and how we're going to get a reveal for Uncle Howdy and who Bray Wyatt really is, which version of Bray we're going to get. Is he really all of the Wyatt Six, which I'm assuming he is? I don't think we have fucking members in, in, in a new stable here. I don't know why Bray would need a new stable of six fucking people, but I honestly feel like everything that we're getting with this Bray Wyatt thing, it's taking forever to get us to an end result here. It's like this chapter won't fucking end. And this Alexa Bliss shit is fucking garbage. She's, it's, it's trash. I, I can't, I can't take it. I can't, I, I, nobody, nobody understands it. You know, the crowd is very lame. They're warm and lukewarm. Very, uh, very mid-level crowd. No, nobody's buying any of this shit. Nobody. I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something. What am I missing? You enjoy the supernatural shit? My hat off to you. This shit sucks. And Alexa Bliss is not winning the Raw Women's Championship. There's no reason for her to. And Bianca Belair is the much bigger superstar that will be positioned as such at WrestleMania. Akira Tozawa, he wants to be in the Royal Rumble. Too bad he had to go through Bronson Reed to get there. This was my favorite part of the entire show. I loved everything about this. You want to know who Bronson Reed is? There you go. This was the picture-perfect thing that we needed to know who Bronson Reed is. You want an introductory into who Bronson Reed is? There you go. Bronson Reed with an absolutely savage beatdown 
of, of Akira Tozawa, and it was fucking beautiful. Beautiful. Tozawa tried a head scissor on Reed a couple minutes into this thing. It didn't even go five minutes. Reed rolled to the outside. Tozawa landed a uh, baseball slide and then a running dive. He started to fire up the crowd, got some behind him. He went for a running flip dive off the apron, but Reed caught him and slammed him hard into the ringside barricade. Nasty. Absolutely nasty. Reed then leapt off the ring apron and did a flying shoulder. Can you imagine Bronson Reed, who's 350 plus pounds, doing a flying shoulder tackle off the fucking ring apron that folds Akira Tozawa like a fucking burrito on Taco Tuesday? I love it. So, Reed then throws him back into the ring. And then he goes up top for the tsunami and you could not pay me any amount of money to take this fucking move from this guy. Absolutely brutal. More of this, please. Bronson Reed is going to be a force if they book him very, very strategically and on point. He is going to be a big deal. I'm glad he's back. I was a big fan of him. I was a big fan of him when he was in NXT. I became an even bigger fan of him when he did his thing in New Japan, wrestled Okada, did his thing on the indies, did his thing in Impact. He just, he grew. He matured as a performer. He kind of found himself. Not so much, not to a point where this is the final form. I, I, do, I, I do still think he's growing, but this is the type of shit, I'm thinking about this while I'm watching this, this is the type of shit that Vince McMahon fucking did not grasp. You know, what well, you know, you, you know, these geeks online, well, Bronson Reed's a nobody. Bronson Reed's not over. He was never given the opportunity to get over. So he goes away after being fired wrongfully to try and find himself again. He's get, he gets brought back, and it's almost as if he's starting on day one again. The crowd is not going to know who he is because he never made it to the main roster, and nobody was watching NXT, and nobody does watch NXT because it, it, it sucks. So Bronson Reed is starting from scratch. This was a great introductory point for Bronson Reed. I loved everything about this. More of this, please. Saxton interviewed Seth Rollins. He was very excited backstage. He said he had in his mind to go to the Royal Rumble and then to WrestleMania. But his eyes have shifted to the United States Championship once again first. Seth said they're in Cincinnati, the town that loves to party and sing. He said officials called him about this match, and he said he's in. He says he's going to win the U.S. title, go to the Royal Rumble, and go to WrestleMania to kick Roman Reigns' ass as only I can. He says he wants it all, and he wants it now, like Freddie Mercury. Cody Rhodes needs to win the Royal Rumble. I forgot to mention this earlier. Rollins is mentioning Royal Rumble and WrestleMania and blah, blah, blah. Rollins is not going to WrestleMania to main event WrestleMania. It is not his year. I'm sorry. Cody Rhodes announced that he's coming back to the WWE and he will be in the Royal Rumble. I don't give a flying fuck what anybody says. Too predictable. It's lame. Cody is lame. He's not over enough. He's a boring baby face and blah, blah, blah. There is no other man on this roster worthy of winning that Royal Rumble. I'm sorry. It's Cody Rhodes or bust at WrestleMania. It's Cody Rhodes or bust at the Royal Rumble before we even get to WrestleMania. 
I know a lot of people say, well, what about The Rock? I don't think The Rock needs to win the Royal Rumble. Why does The Rock need to win the Royal Rumble? If The Rock wins the Royal Rumble, what the fuck did you waste 29 other men on The Rock for? If you want The Rock in WrestleMania, why don't you just put The Rock in WrestleMania? He's here for one fucking match. Why do you got to give him the Royal Rumble and then WrestleMania? If you're going to do that, just do what I've been saying to do. Give Rock and Roman night one, and then Roman beats Rock, and then Cody, the winner of the Royal Rumble, gets his title shot on Sunday and beats Roman. And makes Sunday the night of WrestleMania where the bloodline fucking crumbles. Sammy and Kevin Owens win the tag team titles, and Roman Reigns loses the world championships to Cody Rhodes. Simple. Then at that point, you split the titles via the draft. Monday Night Raw tag team titles go back to Monday Night Raw. I wouldn't do it that way, but I don't see WWE merging the divisions at any point. Monday Night Raw tag team title, SmackDown tag team titles back on there. Appropriate brands. Cody takes the WWE title. He gets a new WWE title to fit his image. Sends the Universal title back to SmackDown. We both have world championships back on Raw and SmackDown. That's the way to do it. That's the way to go about it. The fuck does The Rock need to win the Royal Rumble for? I'm not watching a one-hour Royal Rumble for Dwayne Johnson to come out at number 30 and win the fucking Royal Rumble, man. You want to be... That, that's like... That's like going into a situation that you're super excited about and being fucking absolutely deflated at the end of it and then feel like you wasted your entire fucking time. Who wants that? I don't get it. That is a terrible, terrible, terrible idea. That may be one of a... That that may be another Vince McMahon suggestion if you ask me. We don't need Vince making more suggestions. But Cody Rhodes should win the Royal Rumble. And he should be the world champion coming out of WrestleMania. Seth Rollins, I don't know what we do with Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. I have no idea. No idea. The announcers plugged Raw 30. Featuring WWE legends next week. We got X-Pac. We got Kurt Angle. Jerry Lawler. We got Teddy Long, player. I guarantee you, man, if they don't have Teddy Long come out and say... We're making this a tag team match, player. I will be very disappointed. Or you're going to go one-on-one with The Undertaker. Something along those lines. The Bellas are going to be there. Ron Simmons is going to be there. Road Dog, The Undertaker is going to be there. Ric Flair is going to be there. Shawn Michaels is going to be there. Austin Theory will defend the United States title. The Usos will defend the Raw tag team titles against Judgment Day. Becky Lynch versus Bayley in a steel cage match. Raw 30 is shaping up to be a big show. Very exciting. We got the main event. Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, Miz, Dolph Ziggler, Bobby Lashley, and bum-ass Corbin with JBL. This is for a number one contendership for the United States Championship next week on Raw 30. So, this was actually pretty good. This went about uh, 25 or so minutes in the main event. Bell rang. They went right to a break right at the top. There was a Tower of Doom spot early on, which saw Lashley powerbomb Balor, Corbin, and Rollins pretty easily. Ziggler gave Lashley a Famouser. Miz hit a skull-crushing finale, but Lashley kicked out. Miz put Ziggler in the figure four, but Ziggler turned it over, and Rollins gave Miz a curb stomp for the first elimination. Goodbye, Miz. He is eliminated here. 
You know, I seen Miz put Ziggler in the figure four, man, and I was taken back to a time where I actually enjoyed the Miz's work and Dolph Ziggler's work, man. If you guys remember 2016 SmackDown, when Dolph Ziggler put his career on the line to win the Intercontinental title against the Miz, man, what a fucking storyline. What a match those two had. Love it. SmackDown hasn't been, you know, SmackDown's been pretty decent. As of late, I would say SmackDown's the best of the two WWE shows. I think uh, Dynamite is still the best show weekly. But my God, man, that SmackDown era in 2016 that was led by uh, uh, Ryan Ward and Road Dog, fucking great. Oh, man, I missed the 2016 SmackDown. Loved it. So Miz was eliminated in around nine minutes. Rollins took out Corbin and Lashley with a suicide dive. Balor took out all three. Took out all three men with a flip dive. Ziggler took all four men out with a dive off the top rope. Crazy Dolph Ziggler. He looked good in there. Dolph Ziggler is fucking great, but it is tough to care about Dolph Ziggler because he's so hot and cold. Ziggler superkicked Corbin, gave Lashley a zigzag, superkicked Balor out of midair. Rollins jumped in, gave Ziggler a pedigree for an elimination. Goodbye, Dolph. So Miz is eliminated eight minutes. Ziggler then eliminated at 16 minutes. Lashley beat up everyone and gave Rollins a dominator for a near fall. Lashley gave Balor a delayed vertical suplex, set up for the hurt lock, but stopped for some reason because Omas, the mighty Omas, is back. He walks down the aisle with MVP, and he was about to just hurt everybody in this match and stop because he saw Omas. Corbin and Rollins took each other out while Balor and Lashley, or Balor gave Lashley, rather, a dropkick and then a coup de grace. Before Balor could go for cover, Rollins flew in, stomped him for the elimination at 24 minutes. So Miz was eliminated at 8 minutes. Ziggler was eliminated at 16 minutes. And Balor was eliminated at 24 minutes. Omos then takes Rollins, chucks him over the announce table, Corbin was distracted by Omas, so Lashley speared him for a quick elimination at 25 minutes. Theory hit Lashley with the title belt and tried to brag to Omas, but Omas grabbed him for a chokeslam. Before he could chokeslam Theory, Rollins curb-stomped Omas right into the announce desk and then knocked down Theory. Rollins super-kicked MVP off the ring apron because he was trying to get involved. Went for the stomp, but Lashley speared him for the final elimination And Bobby Lashley wins and becomes the number one contender to Austin Theory next week for the United States Championship. Fun match. Fun match. I really enjoyed this. I thought this was really good down the stretch. I think everybody did uh, their part here, looked really good. And I'm not really all that interested in Bobby Lashley versus Austin Theory. Again, we've seen it way too many times. But Rollins, I feel like, is going to go on to do bigger and better things. So we got Bobby Lashley and Austin Theory for the United States Championship. I, I think this is less about the United States Championship and more about what we saw here. Clearly, Omas was sent out there as insurance for Bobby Lashley. And this, I believe, may be MVP's way of saying, hey, I want to get all of us back on the same page. Omas is out here because Omas, he, you know, he turned on Bobby Lashley to join Omas. Everybody's on the same page. We want to do business with you. And we tried to help you win this match. And he did. So I think this is more about getting the Hurt Business back together. 
than Bobby Lashley winning the United States Championship because there's no reason why anybody should be taking the United States Championship off of, off of Austin Theory. None. I don't know why Austin Theory would go into WrestleMania without holding the United States Championship unless they want to give it back to Bobby Lashley to do something with it at WrestleMania against somebody else. I don't know. I just don't find that to be a uh, logical, creative decision. But I wonder what Seth Rollins is going to have planned to do following his Royal Rumble appearance and then going into WrestleMania season. You know, Rollins and Cody is a very interesting one. You know, Cody announced himself for the Royal Rumble. I do think that Cody Rhodes, you know, a lot of people are like, well, Cody just came off injury. Cody should be uh, anywhere between numbers 20 and 30. He should come in late in the game and not put too much stress on his uh, torn pec after all these months being out. Yeah, you, you don't know who you're talking about. Cody Rhodes would probably suggest he goes out between numbers one and five on the 28th. I don't know why anybody would want Cody Rhodes to show up later in the match. It's not the basis of telling a better story. The better story would be Cody drawing number one and Seth Rollins drawing number two. They need to take a page out of the 2007 Royal Rumble here with Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker, you know, coming in in this match. And, you know, they didn't draw numbers one and two, but they were there at the end for a good 10 to 12 minutes. And it was a fucking uh, showdown of epic proportions for one of them to go on to WrestleMania and, and get the championship match. That's what we need with Cody and Seth Rollins. Cody and Seth Rollins should be number one and two, and they should be there at the end, the final two, and Cody wins by eliminating Seth Rollins. Not only do you get Cody in the main event, but you're ending the Seth and Cody feud inside the Royal Rumble. Because the last person that we saw when Cody Rhodes showed up on Monday Night Raw for the first time before he went to go get surgery was Seth Rollins. That's what needs to be done. Again, I don't know where Seth Rollins goes into WrestleMania. I don't. It's a very interesting situation. He wants Roman Reigns. He wants a world title. He wants the main event WrestleMania. I, I get it, but it's, it's not the right place. It's not the right time. I don't know what they do with Rollins, but I know what we do with Cody. And Cody should be number one. He should win the Royal Rumble and go to WrestleMania. I mean, that's the story. Call it predictable. Call it all you want. Predictable is not bad. When it's right and it makes sense and it's the greatest story to be told, then that's where you go. No questions asked. The greatest story is not The Rock. The greatest story is Cody Rhodes. I appreciate you guys hanging out with me tonight, man. We had a tremendous stream, and I really appreciate you guys very much for hanging out with me tonight on Monday night for this Monday Night Raw post-show on Off The Scripts. We need 135 thumbs up for 1,000 likes. Make sure you guys get those likes in, man. I would really appreciate it. It helps me out, and it takes care of us in the algorithm on YouTube. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. And go check out all the other videos you might have missed on the channel. All on the homepage if you missed any content from yours truly. Tonight's show sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, I don't want you guys to feel like a dud in the bedroom. I don't want you to feel like Monday Night Raw on a bad Monday. Don't. It's not fun. It's not fun for your partner either. Those temperatures should be rocking and rolling in the bedroom, man, no matter what time of year. 
And that confidence, not only will it take you far in the bedroom, man, in general, it takes you far in life. That's where Blue Chew comes into play. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night. Plan ahead, be ready whenever the opportunity arises. The process is very simple. You're gonna sign up at bluechew.com. You're gonna consult with one of their online medical providers. And once you are approved, you're gonna receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. No waiting, in line, no doctor's office, no awkward conversations. And Blue Chew's tablets are made right here in the US of A, prepared, shipped direct to you in a very discreet package. They always say first impressions are key, guys. First impressions are most important. You may be a new viewer watching this podcast, man. I know I always have a great first impression because I do this shit unlike anybody else in the community. So I know what you saw today, if you're new, was entertaining. You laughed. You might not have agreed with some of the things that I said, but you got to appreciate my hustle and my confidence in delivering to you guys what exactly you're watching, man. You're going to take that first impression. You're going to come back on Wednesday when I'm live with AEW Dynamite. And that lasting impression is going to be just that, man. I left a lasting impression on you tonight. You're going to come back on Wednesday, on Friday, rinse and repeat every other week. That's what Blue Chew does. Absolutely. So if you can benefit from that extra confidence, why not? Code JD at checkout. You're going to get your first month free. All you guys got to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling. BlueChew.com. Code JD. Get yourself some Blue Chew. And I want to thank them for having me on board all year for 2023. Joseph Taylor with a $8 super chat. JD, favorite CM Punk match as WWE champion from 2011 to 2013. Brian Danielson, money in the bank. Yeah, I'd probably say that. I'd probably say that. I'd love to see that current day, man. I'd love to see that match take place sometime this year in AEW. Matt, the PW fan with a $20 super chat. According to Dave Meltzer, Vince McMahon may return to WWE TV to see what kind of reaction he may get. I'm sure the WWE fans will welcome him back with open arms and he'll probably book himself in the Royal Rumble. God, I fucking hope not. I don't think we're going to see that, bro. I don't think we're going to see that. If anything, Vince may show up next week and definitely, definitely at WrestleMania. Jay William Reed with a $2 Super Chat. Doing a good job. Thank you, brother. Michelle Moran with a $2 Super Chat. Truly a Vince show. And why is Seth losing a lot? Why is Seth losing a lot? Because he's kind of in the middle of nowhere. He's in the middle of nowhere. Eugene Morgan with a $20 Super Chat. When Vince killed NXT, I remember that Brett's ex-wife was right when she told Triple H what goes around comes around. But she keeps being right because Triple H is still getting it 
Moral of the story, don't ever get cursed by Julia Hart. Or Julie Hart. Did I say Julia Hart? I got Julia Hart on the head. Because I want, I want Jesse to be cursed by Julia Hart in the House of Black. Yes. Martha Hart. Or is it Jul Julia Hart or Martha Hart? I don't know. One or the other. Who gives a fuck? Yes. What comes around comes around. Absolutely. I wish the same was said about Vince McMahon. What comes around comes around. What goes around comes around. Yes, Julia Hart is a very attractive woman. No doubt about it. Yes, I, I agree. Um, Jeremy Harris with the $5 Super Chat. Showing my support, JD. I see we in serious crisis with WWE right now. It's a tragic situation. Man, anyway, it's my birthday in two days. What's a good beverage? Well, I don't know how old you are, Jeremy Harris. You're either under 21 and you're having a fucking club soda. Or you're over 21 and you're going to get yourself some fine fucking whiskey on the rocks. Julie Hart. There you go. Julie Hart. The one that does not like Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Filthy Slimes with a 9.99 super chat. I think they're setting up Rock vs. Roman with that bloodline ceremony just to keep Rock away from the Rumble. If he enters at number 30 and wins that conf that's confirmation, Vince is officially back in creative. Yeah. I don't, th I don't think Triple H is booking Rock to win the Royal Rumble at number 30. That's just fucking egregious. DJ Lundy with 11 months. Thank you, brother. I was there live tonight. The crowd was very hot, even for Otis's huge reaction. Anyways, enjoy your evening. Did not come that way. Did not come off that way on TV, DJ. You guys were a lot louder in the arena than you were on TV because it was very, very uh, tame tonight. Not today, Jay with a 499 Super Chat. Monday Night Football is officially over. Good. Goodbye. Rothwell with a $2 super chat. Why does it burn when I pee? Well, you got to go uh, get that checked out, Rothwell. You may have uh, UTI. That doesn't sound very pleasant, bro. Go get that checked out immediately. Too much information there, Rothwell. I don't appreciate that. The Scorpio Prince with a $10 super chat. Rhea Ripley to Dominic's ear earlier on Raw. Vince is back in creative, but he says, don't worry, we're good. Dominic holds back his laughter, realizes how dumb that was. Uh, Scorpio, I don't think we should be joking that Vince is back in creative. The more you put that out in the universe, bro, the more it's going to happen. Uh, Angel Alaga with 12 months. Thank you, brother. One year. What the fuck are you drinking, Angel? Hi, JD. I believe you are totally correct that WWE is going to be sold to the Saudis. This guarantees Vince total control by his by this egomaniac. Yes. 
Scorpio Prince with a $5 super chat. Omas is back. Biggest sign there that was a Vince suggestion from a mile away. Yes, that was definitely a Vince suggestion. Not today, Jay, with a $4.99. Unless they say, oos, Hollywood oos, wanted to be here, but he got busy, but he sends his love, and Rock shows up after Roman's match at the Rumble. I mean, they left it open for, for Dwayne to show up next week. We'll see. Wellington T with a $5 super chat. Since the start of the Triple H era till now, which do you think is the best episode for both Raw, SmackDown, and NXT so far? And also the best Triple H era pay-per-view. Bro, I'm not keeping tabs. NXT sucks, and Triple H has nothing to do with NXT. And there have been a couple of banger SmackDown episodes, man. I don't remember the dates, but SmackDown's been largely the better show compared to Monday Night Raw. Velocifactor with a 199. USA is demanding their titles back before WrestleMania 39. Oh, is that what it is? Sources. Bro, trust me. I didn't hear that. I don't think USA gives a fuck as long as Roman Reigns is on their show. Pizza Turd with a six months. Thank you, brother. Happy six months. Could I please get a... Kevin Dunn! <laughs> uh, would you? Uh, what he said during the talent meeting. Uh, Vince will be back and Triple H is lying to all of you and I'm going to need wood on my table immediately. <laughs> Teddy Love with nine months. Raw is Triple X. Is Bruce working for Pornhub? What a dork. Anyway, cheers to you, cheers to you JD and my OTS family. Uh, maybe Bruce is on a porn fetish, bro. I don't know. Too much porn for you is no good. Porn is not real sex. Okay? Bruce, okay? Go get yourself a woman, bro. Soundwave 80, 999. Electric Dreams is a cool movie. And has nothing to do with Sharbot. You should give this a watch and tell me what you think. Be in the groove and watch. Bro, listen. I got too many other things to do, bro. I'm not going to sit down and watch a fucking movie from the 1980s. And also, uh, The Last of Us on HBO Max, episode one was fucking fantastic. Excellent. I can't wait for episode two, man. If it was one of them binge watch deals, I would have watched all fucking uh, everything today. Three Kings with a 499. Vince will be in charge soon enough so we can book Lesnar to come out at number 30 and eliminate Cody to win the Royal Rumble. God help us all. Jericho, 8131 with a $10 super Raw 30 is looking to be the best anniversary show they've done in years. Raw 25 in 2018 was abysmal, as was Raw 20 in 2013. Let's focus on legends and legitimate matches being made for the show. Yes, I hope so. The Undertaker with a $5 super chat. Just saw a certain casting decision for the young Rock. I never wanted to tombstone myself to hell so badly. Bro, I don't think that was Ryan. Fuckface emo haircut, bitch. I don't think that was him, bro. That was not him. There's no way that could be him. 
Whoever that cast for The Undertaker and Young Rock and Stone Cold and Young Rock and China and Young Rock, man, they need to be fired immediately. Richard with six months. Thank you, brother. What are you drinking, man? Finally back, lost my dad to dementia. So I haven't been in a good place, but tonight was a great feeling watching. Thanks, JD. Hashtag OTS for life. Richard, I'm, I'm terribly sorry, but I hate hearing shit like that, man. I hate hearing shit like that. Thoughts and prayers to you, Richard. I know how that feels, brother. And M. James 2000 with a Canadian $5 Superjack. Curious what you thought of the Walking Dead series finale and your opinion on Negan turning babyface tweener by the end. I'm always a fan of Negan, bro. Babyface or heel Negan. I love Negan. I'm super excited about Negan and Maggie's spinoff. And I thought the Walking Dead series finale was a little underwhelming, if you ask me. But that's just my personal opinion. But now we got The uh, Last of Us, man. I think that's going to be a nice uh, Walking Dead substitute, man. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Anyway, guys, we're about to get out of here. Awesome stream tonight. You guys killed it, as always. Great start to the week. Getting excited about the Royal Rumble. Getting excited next week for Raw 30. Should be awesome. And thank you guys for tuning in tonight, man. We got 60 more likes for 1,000. Can we get there before we get the hell out of here, man? 60 more likes for 1,000 thumbs up on the video. Please go and do that, guys. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. I got a ton of content on the channel, man. Some YouTube shorts coming tomorrow as well. Thanks to my boy Tyler for getting those YouTube shorts out. Can't do it without them. Live streams. Check out the live stream on Sunday night, episode 459. We were live for two and a half hours. Excellent listen. Also available on Blue Wire Podcasts. We are a part of the Blue Wire family. Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, you name it. And go check out Blue Chew, man. BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout. Get yourself a free sample on me. I'm getting out of here, guys. The next time you see me is live with Jesse on Wednesday night. We got a major dynamite on Wednesday. Another banger of an episode. We'll be in the OTS venue as always. Until then, guys, I need those ace emojis in the chat. I need those... Rock on emojis in the chat. I need those Mustang emojis in the chat. And I need you guys to turn that music up to max. I will see you all Wednesday live right here on Off The Script with the AW Dynamite Post with Jesse on Off The Script. We'll see you guys later.